Welcome to the Explore podcast from EF Pro Cycling. This week, we are celebrating the biggest victory in EF education TIBCO SVB's history with a special episode with winner of the 2023 Paris-Roubaix, Allison Jackson, and team sport director, Tim Harris. Allison Jackson already bears the crown of the queen of cycling TikTok, but on April 8, 2023, she earned the right to a new crown, the one of the queen of Paris-Roubaix. Allison became the first Canadian and North American rider to win the race in its long and storied history. From growing up on a farm in Vermilion, Alberta, to conquering the iconic cobbled farm roads of northern France, Allison is an inspiration to us all. Tim Harris was the sport director in the car behind Allison for the entirety of the 145-kilometer race. He's a legend of the sport. He's a former British national road race champion. He has helped coach and mentor countless world tour pros. And two years ago, he won the men's Paris-Roubaix as a sport director. Dance, cry, cheer, hug, laugh. We went through every emotion on the finish line of the Roubaix Velodrome. So join us on this ride as we explore the world of cycling together. My name is Catherine Ezra, and this is the Explore Podcast. Who's my pet rock here? The, the Europe to Canada one is a a hard one. I don't know what, how we're going to do that, but at least like we have Spanish races in May, so yeah, Meg's actually will drive it out to Girona. so we'll get it. We'll get it to Girona. And then uh, I'm just so excited for the dinner party to invite everybody over just to try to carry this thing. Because also it's actually like even just to see the trophy for real is like a rarity. But then if you know, like if you can actually pick it up yourself, that's like a wild thing. So I'm excited to share that with others. Well, who wants to talk about Perry Roubaix? I can keep telling stories about this all day. Well, that's that's what I wanted to ask about. They say everyone has a million stories from Perry Roubaix. Allison, what's your story? Well, which angle do you want to hear? There's little stories that we can pull out from all, all moments all moments of the day. But um, yeah, I think uh, the short story is I won. And that's <laughs> speaks for itself a little bit. Tim, what was your story? <laughs> AJ won. <laughs> that's the short story. <laughs> it's going to be a brief episode. All right. So let's talk about how the team got to that win, how we made that happen. Tim, what was the race plan that morning? Well, I don't think it was really the fact of the race plan in the morning. I think you have to go back like a month to where we started doing the Cobble Classics because really we were building up for a long time towards paris Bay. And unfortunately, I mean, at the beginning of the Cobble Classics, AJ had a really hard crash in Drenta and she was one of our top riders for these classics. So with the big crash that she had and she had a lot of stitches in her knee, that was sort of really the the uh, that was a long story towards Paris Roubaix because we didn't know whether she would actually make it back in time so the fact that she did and she came back again to Wavelgum and then was slowly building the condition towards Paris Roubaix which obviously was a, a major goal for her and for the team and uh, we were living together in um, with all the team and the mechanics in the Airbnb near to the Roubaix Stadium. So in, then in the week before, we reconned the uh, stadium and then also we reconned the route. So Paris-Roubaix is not just one on a meeting before the race, it's one over 
a long stretch of time checking the tire pressures, what equipment we're going to use, the team and everything. So really the actual winning was done by Alison herself on the day, but it's a big build up from the team and the teammates and everything towards the actual race. Alison, you got into the early breakaway that, as we all know, ended up staying away. Were you planning to get into that breakaway or was it just let's try and get someone in there? How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, um, we knew that we, well, we wanted to be ahead of the race with someone. And normally um, I'm good at positioning myself and I, I would be okay to kind of take it in with, with the leaders. But I came into the race with the attitude that I wanted to get ahead and I was always going to look for places where I could put myself in that position. But yeah, so just riding sort of the the front of the race and seeing when a big group was getting away and, and knowing we needed someone in it. And I was there. So yeah, I made that effort to get in the break. And when it was with so many teams and we were allowed the time, then I committed to that, that move being my move and trying to get that group to go as far as it could in the race. And whether, you know, at that time, you don't know if it's going to make it all the way, but it would at least get me some clear space through the beginning parts of the of the cobbles. And then, you know, if the, if the group of, of winners came up to us, just still having enough to, to hang on for the final. When that group of 18 went, there was only Moby Star and Jumbo that didn't have any representatives in it. So it was really more like a, race, a men's race in that respect. That we also thought that because it was going to be such a long road without cobbles, that there was a chance that that move would go. So the fact that uh, most of the big teams were represented in it, and then it, once it went, it went up and up so quickly, up to nearly six minutes, that obviously, yeah, we were in an ideal position then. Tim, as the DS, when you're sitting in the race car and you're hearing all of the names of the riders being announced of who's in the break, what were you thinking the odds were of, hey, this break could stick, and hey, we've got Allison in there, I like our odds. What was your thinking? Once it got over five minutes, I knew that they have a really good chance because when they come from behind, they come from behind. But it would mean that Alison would be in whoever came from behind. Alison would be with the top riders. And if it stayed away, then she'd obviously have a, a good chance. But when you hit the cobbles, there's so many factors that can happen with the punches, the crashes, the mechanical issues. So it's sort of like a fingers crossed situation. But obviously, once we, we hit them and, and Alison was, was riding really well, you, we could see that. And it was starting to get whittled down. The longer the race went, the more that we thought we could have a, a serious result here. But I will say, when I got into that breakaway and uh, Tim learned that it was me that was in the breakaway, <laughs> he was not so happy. <laughs> Alison, this is too early for you. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, then, well, that's the position we're in. So we're going to do well with what we got and try to ride that thing to the finish. Other people are supposed to jump with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Alison, as you were in that break, there's obviously no such thing as smooth sailing in Perry Bay, but were there close calls? Were there moments when you thought, oh, there's a slippery cobble and, and you might not stay upright? Were there moments of, of these close calls? Because there were lots of crashes. There's always all kinds of chaos at Bay. How hectic or how calm or close to calm was your day? Yeah, it's always going to be a little bit less chaos when you have fewer people sort of challenging for the position going into the cobbled sections. And so that, that's the benefit of riding a breakaway. You get to save a bit of energy just, you know, managing less chaos. But also, I mean, 
I'm a person who who loves the chaos and loves a little bit of drama in the racing or, you know, hopping off the cobbles onto the gutter and back on. And there's a few moments where, you know, you hit the section of the cobbles really hard and you hope your tires hold up or whatever. But I think of when we were doing our, our first training camp with EF in uh, California. We were doing some two-up sprints and uh, full max in my sprint, I break the chain and it falls off. And, you know, we had a video of this and, and basically everyone thought I was dead. <laughs> or just be, But I save it and I'm still riding. And in my reaction, I just feel like, oh, it, was, it actually, I felt fine. It didn't feel sketchy. But when I watch the video back, even I'm like, oh, my heart goes in my throat because it, it looks like I'm just going down. So I think there's gonna, there's probably like a lot of moments like that that happened in Paris-Roubaix. And that's when you just got to trust in your ability. You got to have the skills to just, you know, finesse or manage kind of some of those sketchy moments or manage just making the right reactions without thinking, you know. So I think there's a few of those just kind of riding in the gutter and then, you know, noticing the moment that like this is running out and I got to get back on the cobbles or you're going so hard and you're trying to ride as close to the wheel in front of you for the easiest ride. But, you know, they make a mistake or they make a move and you're touching wheels for a second, but holding it up. So, I mean, there's moments of like that all during the day. But, you know, it's kind of when you get some of those moments and you live to tell the tale, it just amplifies my confidence that I've skirted danger and um, it's going to be my day. It just, it just kind of fuels my fire. But Tim, as you've mentioned, the gap for the break got to, you know, almost six minutes at one point, but it also got down to something like nine seconds. So the gap was almost never what you would expect to see. Were you nervous that it was going to get caught? Were you starting to make contingency plans in your head late in the race when the, that gap was coming down so close to zero? Well, just before the Carrefour Arbor, the commissaires pulled us out from behind the break. And when they came past, it wasn't very long at all. And I just shouted at Alison, I was just giving her time checks, and it was going 9, 10, 12, 15, 12, 10. So it never, it was really, really, really touch and go. But the, the thing is, at that moment, as Alison knew, you just got to ride. If you sit on, you're going to be caught and you're going to have nothing anyway. But if you ride, even with, and with a sprint like Alison's, you know that uh, she can always pull something out of the bag. So so she, if as everybody will have seen, she did the, the majority of the work to make the break stay away. And in this instance, it was fortune favours of brave because she, she rode to keep it away. And then when you come to the circuit after a race that long, you don't know who's going to win, but knowing Alison, you know, she's going to give it an absolute unbelievable good go. So, but it was really nerve wracking because for the last few stretches, it was literally sort of hovering around 10 seconds. Then there was a climb, the last climb up to before the track, really, about three Ks to go. There's a slight climb and they had 10 seconds. And at that moment, if a rider like Kopecky or somebody had the legs, they would have been able to jump across if it's only 10 seconds and nobody could. So then I thought, wow, that that's just, this is going to stay away. Because if you, over the years, often on that little climb, which is a climb of nothing, but after that distance, it's really quite a hard hill. And people have won the race from there. The fact that nobody came out of the bunch could get across. And I thought, wow, we've really got a, a good chance here. With about 5K to go, Alison, we saw on the screen, we all saw you looking at your breakaway companions and waving to them as if to say, come on, let's work together. You know, they're coming close. They're coming for us. What was your your mindset at that point when you knew that the Peloton was trying their hardest to catch you, when you knew the break was starting to get a bit tired and when you knew the gap was just a few seconds? What was your mindset? Yeah, I think that was probably the only time in the in the day when I 
try to or really encourage everyone to ride. And I think first it was because I did a few turns like really long, really hard. And then, you know, trying to get people to pull through to really believe that I'm going to pull full. I'm committed to this group getting to that velodrome together. And then we sort it out in the velodrome. And also just trying to, I think if the other girls see that I'm the strongest in the group, but I'm willing to lay all my cards out on the table, I'm going to work absolutely so hard. Then it, it also allows the other girls to kind of bite into that idea too, that, you know what, no matter what, everyone's getting a top 10 here in the group if we make it. And that for a lot, all those girls, for all of us, that, that would be a great result. We've been out here, we've worked so hard all day long, 140K to be in this position. And in, in races like Paris-Roubaix, to be at the front of the race at 5K to go are so rare. So when you're in this opportunity, make the most of it. And then in the end, not every girl wanted to pull through. And really, there was just four of us that were committed to the cause. And yeah, I, I mean, for me, it doesn't matter. If I had to, I would have pulled that whole group <laughs> and then still try to back myself in the sprint, do a little finessing in, in the end. Because yeah, I think Perry roubaix favors a bold type of ride. And you don't get many opportunities like this to arrive in the velodrome, you know, in the front with a small group. Tim, as Allison entered the velodrome, what are you saying into the into the microphone? What are you shouting into her earpiece? At that moment, you can't say anything. We, we just, I think I just said, go for Allison, good luck. The bizarre thing about paris Bay when you're in the car, you don't know who's won. Because in a normal race, the race radio goes over the finish line and they immediately, more or less within a few seconds, tell you who's won. But in Paris Bay, you don't. So <laughs> the brake goes off into the velodrome, and we're sat there. Well, then we get on uh, the mechanic Alex's uh, phone. We get congratulations. But then, is it correct? So the television is about a minute behind, so we don't know. So Alex got the mechanic says congratulations. But yeah, congratulations could be first or second or third. Podium in, in Paris Bay is an amazing thing. So we're probably, which is bizarre to any other sport. The entire world knew that Allison had won. We didn't. So that's the crazy thing about it. So we didn't know for a good minute or so that she'd won. And then, yeah, you're pretty excited in the car, to be fair. That must have been an incredibly tense, anxious moment. Yeah, the most ever, because I'm waiting for the feed to catch up on the television. And nobody actually said, well done, you've won. So we didn't really didn't know until. And then somebody said, yeah, she's won. But yeah, it could be a photo finish. I mean, the last time a Canadian nearly won, it was a photo finish. And I think they had to check it. So I just didn't want to go shouting. And then, then it was some disaster and she was second. So we really waited until we saw that film before we shouted. <laughs> but yeah, but then it was just a yeah, fantastic moment because then uh, she drove past all the other team's buses. Everybody was shouting. Yeah, well done. So that was good. So Alison, what are you thinking? As you come into the velodrome, you are about second wheel, I believe. And you know, you've got a lap and a half to go. You hear the crowds, you see the track in front of you. What's going through your mind? Yeah, you know, at the beginning, or the, the we had a mantra as a team for the day. Lauren Stevens had given us a little mo- motivational clip from Top Gun and took from it, don't think, just do. And really, when it comes into critical moments like this, there is no thinking. You, you have to rely on your instinct and the flow of what it's like to be a you know, top-level athlete. So coming in, I'm not thinking too much, you know, be in good position. I was riding second wheel. So that's that's the best position. Marta Locke from WNT was really keen to just ride full hard 
So, and, and that's a, a good way to come into the sprint for me. And then, yeah, just don't want to get, I want to have clear space. I don't want to get boxed in. And then you just have to react to how the other girls are riding. So I could feel the girls sort of coming up on the outside. So I just made sure I could get clear, have enough space to get going. Then uh, the St. Michelle girl, yeah, really came over over top. I did everything I could to get straight on the wheel and then a little higher on the velodrome around the turn. And I knew that would get my speed just enough faster than her. So when we came around the bend, I would have a bit of an advantage. And then at that that moment, digging deep inside of you for everything that you've got for this chance to get to that line first. And already I could see that I had so much more speed than she did. And, you know, not knowing exactly what's going on behind, but just doing all that I could with what I had, which was the full sprint that I had left in me. And then meters just before the line, there's no one beside me, but I'm not going to celebrate too early at all. I'm going to make sure I fully cross that line for a sure win. And then, yeah, just immediately thinking that, you know, this is something that would dreamed of all the time when we do, you know, our recon laps around the velodrome, just like, what would it feel like to cross that line first? And then to know that I did it. Yeah. Just very cool. Is that something you had sort of dared to dream about when, when you did recon, when you rode in the velodrome and, and even cause you've ridden the race two times before already, even on those days, did you ever kind of think, okay, what would it feel like if one day I'm here in a potentially race winning situation? Did you actually dream those dreams or was that almost too big, too scary of a dream to conceive of? No, I mean, I dream of winning every race. I, I, I'm in this sport I'm because I want to win. I want to win everything. And that's what drives me in those last moments to keep going. And yeah, the days before when we had done that recon and I'm riding around and absolutely, I just like think, I mean, in Paris-Roubaix, anything can happen. In sport, anything can happen. You you also have your, you know, top favorites, but you have to tune in to watch the race actually unfold because anything can happen. And especially in Paris-Roubaix. And since the first two editions, I, I did quite well, but I, you know, I had the first edition, three crashes, second edition, one crash, but, you know, getting closer and closer to kind of the, the top spots. And I knew that if I could have a race with no bad luck, then I would be in contention for going for the win. And uh, I mean, in years previous, every time I came into that velodrome, no matter what place I'm, you know, I'm could be sprinting for, I was going to see that and use it basically as a practice of imagine this was the final, imagine this was for the win. How would I do it? What would it look like? You don't get practice rounds of coming in to the velodrome after so much fatigue and then trying to, you know, manage a sprint and manage a sprint on a track is, is a different thing. So I knew that. So those, the first two years I took that as any reference point that I could to take it with me into the next editions. The second year I'd done a big attack, just, you know, one and a half K to go from my group and try to see, you know, what the max power can I hold away this little bunch? Is that a good move to make then rather than do the, the bunch sprint? So in previous editions, I mean, I've tried a couple of things just to know what it would be like to do, what kind of tactic coming in. But yeah, I think if you come into the sport without the belief that you can do it, then, well, you're not going to do it. So it's simple. You have to be your own best cheerleader. You have to have the mentality to look for the opportunities to go and to make it count. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm always looking for the win. And and the th one thing too, I mean, what I love about bike racing is it's not just the strongest person who wins, but the smartest person when you use that energy and how and, and you play that game. And I, 
I love that about bike racing and it makes the racing really dynamic and it, every bike race has its own storyline that is yeah unique to each year. So um, yeah, I always hold on <laughs> to the, the idea that, yeah, it very well could possibly be me in um, yeah, almost every race that I go into. So when you crossed that finish line and you knew that, that you had it, I mean, you looked like you were in absolute disbelief. You looked so stunned. When did that sink in that you had just won Perry roubaix I think these moments sink in the most when you share it with the, with the people who have been a part of the journey. I mean, as soon as I knew I'd won, it's something that's locked into you that no one can take it away. It's mine. This is mine and I've done it. And although there, you know, my face is like the shock of it, but it's also just the the realization that this dream has come true and that this win is mine. But as soon as we, you know, I pull over off the track and I have good friends that are photographers and, it, you know, our one photographer, Bastion, is the first person I see, obviously, is the media man right there with the camera. But it's when you see a friend and you know that they've known your journey and they're rooting for you and they're so happy for you as a human, that's the best feeling. And then having you know, you, Catherine and Meg, this one year come over straight away and getting to share it with everyone that's been a part of this whole buildup and the whole storyline from, you know, not even just the buildup to this race, but the whole, you know, program with EF Education, typical SPB. So everyone in the program and then it, I mean, that's what's so great also about, you know, my te- waiting for my teammates to come over and, and share my joy with them and share my joy with the staff and everyone who's I mean, th- this is such a, a big moment. And, you know, I think we all would dream to be a part of a program that, you know, you get to take home this big cobbled rock trophy or even just get to see it or even just like hang out with it is such a, a privilege or a cool thing. And, you know, so many of us, we are a part of the sport because we, we love the sport and we love that it's hard. And, you know, we can get a lot of, of good feelings and feelings of accomplishment from not winning, from, you know, getting the you know, other results that have shown our teamwork and, you know, working towards something. And a lot of times we feel really good about those and we can have a successful season with, you know, getting a top tens or whatever, but there's nothing better than actually taking home the win and taking home the win in is a special type of fun. And especially when it's in such a a big race like Paris-Roubaix. I think one of the most poignant moments was with Sarah Poitavant. So she came into the stadium. She was in a in a group further down, and as she literally came into the stadium, just as Canadian national anthem was playing. So she said that was just the most like whatever happens. Like Alison said, she's a great teammate and a fantastic part of the team, and that's such a poignant moment. She said she came on, and imagine that. Then your Canadian national anthem is playing. So that's also moments like that that make it also special. Yeah. And she comes around and I'm on the podium and I see her. We make that moment of eye contact, singing the national anthem together. And yeah, for me, that's also such a, a beautiful, special memory because Sarah Poitavin has been one of my, my best teammates all season, doing so much of the work. Even at Perry roubaix that day, she's covering all the moves, all the moves. I cover one, she's covering others. And then I get into this breakaway, you know, but like I wouldn't have been in that position without her doing all this early work. So yeah, stuff like that. You know, I, I'm the one that's sitting here with the cobbled trophy, but I, you know, wouldn't have been in that position if it weren't for, you know, teammates like Sarah. So 
Well, you've both mentioned how how your teammates have been so, so supportive. I mean, Sarah was on the track cheering for you. The rest of your teammates were crouched down in front of the podium, just also losing their minds, screaming with joy, watching you up there amongst the flames and and getting your cobblestone. So between the support within the team, between knowing that your family was at home all gathered together for the Easter weekend on the farm watching the race, what does all of this support mean to you? How does this help you ride better? How does this help you be Allison? Well, what I love about sport is that it actually affects so many people. And I think, uh, you know, when you champion an athlete and you watch them succeed in, in such rough conditions, you share in that joy. You feel a part of it. And I think that's the beauty of sport is it's not just my victory. It's all the people who have little connections with me or, you know, my grade two teacher telling me that that oh, I was the first kid in class that was reading chapter books and they knew that, you know, there was something really special about me. Well, you know, it, it's little things like that where I say absolutely to those people, you know, connect with that and use some of that as inspiration for yourself or or feel like you're a part of this success. Because I think that's just what the beauty of sport is when you're rooting for someone and they succeed, you feel part of that too. And then more so with family who have been a part of, you know, this is a great success time, but they've been a part of all the times when I haven't won or I've crashed out or I've, I've been a part or experienced such disappointment or the struggle of it or, you know, times when you're away or you're injured or you're sick. And, you know, there's all those moments or, you know, you know, I have to miss some family moments. I have to miss weddings or birthdays because I'm, you know, doing this this odd kind of globe trotting career. And then for so for everyone, they've had to make you know a bit of sacrifices for that I can be a part of this career. And then to see that it all, you know, comes together in such a big moment, such a historic moment. It's such a historic moment for Canadians, for my family, for anyone in my town, and for our team and and for our sport for women cycling. Yeah, it, it just, and I think even now, just seeing how big the ripples are, you know, I know it's a big win, but when I just see the response of how many more people and fans are so jazzed about this, I think it's, yeah, it's really special and it's really impactful. Yeah, I, I all agree. I think it's been nearly overwhelming, the response. Like people, you just about hardly no texting saying that was unbelievable that was unbelievable and also actually all from all the other team directors we did the race Brabant yesterday Brabant Chappelle and more or less every DS came up to me and says okay we didn't win because obviously they didn't but we're really happy that you did and we're really happy that a rider like Alison won so that's also from my point of view, also a good thing that the way she won it and the, also the acknowledgement of the win from your peers is also really good. Yeah. To me, I think the only race bigger that you could actually win really nearly would be the Tour de France overall for the media impact. I mean, it's just enormous, really enormous. Yeah, it's been pretty impressive, really. Is that the purpose of sport then? Is that kind of the ultimate thing that you can get out of it apart from a massive cobblestone trophy is the biggest thing you can get out of it, just bringing people together and finding that that sort of love and excitement and, and shared experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why so many of us follow sport too. I think to see something really hard be achieved. And I think what's really cool too, I mean, coming from my you know small town in a country that's not steeped in cycling, come from the, the farm fields and then uh, win a race like this, it helps people 
almost believe that like they can achieve anything from where they've come from. If she could achieve something so almost unattainable, that's, you know, very rare. What else, what could I do with that same spirit of, you know, trying hard? Like, how did I win this race? I had the attitude of being bold, being brave, riding hard, giving everything. And yeah, I think that's what makes sports really inspirational. And I'm excited for the impact that it has had on, on people. I think also just me as a, as a character in sport, I've got a lot of personality and that also even how I celebrated and having my dance move and getting to interact with fans and kids on the sidelines after to do it in a really authentic Allison Jackson way. And I think it also just helps kind of bridge the gap of, you know, relatability between me being, you know, a, a human and also a top level sports person. I think perhaps the biggest question people want to know is, did you have your victory dance planned or was that all improvised? That just comes out of me. <laughs> Who knew what was going to happen? There was going to be some sort of dance. I don't know. It was, it's just absolutely my expression of, of joy. Yeah, I express it through movement and a lot of energy. Tim, I'm guessing that you weren't doing any dancing, some celebrating, but not dancing. Oh, Tim and I, we've had some dance <laughs> <Yeah>. parties. <laughs> I'm teaching you how to dance salsa, Colombian style. <laughs> <laughs> She's a better mover than me. <laughs> we'll look for that pairs dance at, at the next race. So, Tim, this is now your second Paris-Roubaix win because you won with the men in 2021. Would you say it's fair to say that the the races are different? Are they similar? Were you able to take lessons from 2021 and apply them to this year with the women's team with Allison? So actually, um, I think the way that the organization had changed the route to make it longer before we hit the cobbles meant that the race was very, very similar to the men's because I did it last year and we only had a very short ride before we got to the cobbles. So Tanya got away last year, but it was it was only like a really, I think we did three laps of Danae and then we hit the cobbles. So this year, when we had the meeting on the evening before, I said it's a good chance a group might go and like happens in the men's. So really, it wasn't that different. It wasn't that different. So yeah, and, and I think the way we went to test the cobbles the week before, testing the pressures, testing the tires. So we did really the same this year as I did two years ago when Cobrelli won. Alison, when it was time for you to head to the showers, you sought out Magnus Backsteads. Talk a little bit about that. Why Magnus's? Yeah, well, um, this race is, is a big deal for the whole Backstead family. And so being around Zoe and hearing some of their family traditions around this race, you know, <laughs> Magnus Backstead making the whole family rewatch his 2004 win every year, full through. So, you know, it's a big race for that family. They know it means a lot to the Backsteads. And then I love Zoe. She's been such a, a great teammate, a great personality to to have on the team. And yeah, so coming into the showers, of course, I know the story. I know the history of Magnus Backstead. So, you know, when you get a chance to sort of bridge, you know, some of the, these history moments with your teammates. Yeah, I had to, I had to choose, choose that shower. Also, after the race, I saw Zoe's mom at the sidelines and I came over and I told her, new tradition. We're no longer watching Magnus's <laughs> 2004 Perry Roubaix win. We're watching. We're rewatching this race from start to finish every year. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that'll be a new tradition then, making Zoe watch your win every year of Roubaix? 
Oh, absolutely. We're, I'm going to create a Zoom group with the, the whole staff and team that was here <laughs> calling in a watch party. <laughs> Tim, what did this win mean to the team? Because this was the first world tour win for EF Education, TIBCO SVB. It's by far the biggest win for the team in its, in its history. What did this mean for the staff and for the management? I mean, for everybody involved with the team, yeah, it was one of you couldn't dream for a bigger victory. I think every single sponsor involved, staff involved, everybody who's anything to do with the team, it was a really, really big moment. And and for Linda, after having a team for so many years, to win this was, yeah, is also an incredible moment for her. Um, so after putting so many years worth of effort into running a women's cycling team when nobody else wanted to do it or not many people wanted to do it. And now the sport is is getting so big and it's mo- moving so quickly for her to have put together a team that won Paris for Bay. Then, yeah, that's a fantastic moment for her and for everybody involved. Alison, you had raced with the team a few years ago and then left for another team and then rejoined at the beginning of the 2023 racing season. Was Perry roubaix or were the classics sort of on the list of things that were discussed of of the plan for you being on this team? Yeah, it it w- had been, you know, one of my A races. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the team that, that really thought this would be, you know, the key race for me. I mean, I love the classics. I love the call of the classics. And, you know, if I, if I were asked, you know, which race do I want to win? I'd put my hand up for every one of them. And... You know, it's funny, kind of in my my training peaks, always had Perry Roubaix as the A race. That there was always the countdown to that race. I had other races on, you know, in the calendar too, but this one was it was only showing the countdown to this race. And it's kind of funny how maybe you know, some of these things are it's like manifesting the destiny. But yeah, I mean, and I also had jokes like, oh yeah, the, I think the team really wants me to win this race, you know. And but that you know, I think that's the, the thing too. I always feel way less pressure or stress more nervousness going into Paris-Roubaix because there's so much that you can't control. You try to get yourself in every possible, you know, best scenario. But I mean, like I said, every other year I've crashed, but you, you still keep fighting and you never know what can happen. Groups can come back, you know, the top riders can crash out or flat and you just have to, you know, back yourself and, and, and keep riding, just keep riding. Yeah, but and then you also just have to let the storyline play out. So every time I come in, yeah, you never know what's going to happen, but you just have to be able to react, make the right choices and reactions to what's going on. Yeah, but, you know, I'm my best cheerleader, I think. So I have a lot of confidence and belief in myself that I, I can win races like this if I'm in, you know, in the right position and, and have good luck and, and a positive spirit. Oh, thank you. Going into the race as well, Zoe had a normal, really an enormous amount of, obviously because of who she is, but also because of her father winning Paris for Bay. So Zoe and the team, we really got a lot of media attention before the race, the weeks leading up to it. And probably for us, this would be the best classic that would suit us with the team that we have. With Zoe's very good in cobbles, obviously AJ is, Letizia is also good. So leading into it, like Alison said, it was always been marked as one of the races that we would be of, of a big importance to the team. Yeah, it panned out really well, really. What does this win mean for you going forward, Alison? Oh, I mean, yeah, from this, I mean, I'm, I just, it's a solidified sort of my confidence in myself. And also, I think just on my racing style, you know, really racing with my heart. And what I'm really good at is 
sensing the race, having a good feel for the race. And so just, yeah, trusting myself in, in, and uh, backing my, you know, race feelings when I'm in a race. But, you know, I, I think it also, I guess it just gets me, I mean, it gets me so excited for more bike racing and, and I'm, I just really want this, this feeling and also of how I want to really spread to my teammates, you know, raise their belief in, in themselves that we can, that this is possible for our team. You know, my friend and my teammate, Allison, she won this big race. So what else can I do? Or what more can I do? Or how can I see the race differently? Or, or can I give more? Can I be braver, you know, risk losing in order to win? I just really want to see that with my team. I want this to be, you know, a, a part where we build from this and we, you know, believe in ourselves to achieve more. I mean, I think we can see that. Obviously, it was a smaller race earlier in the season um, under Van der Hageland. So in that, like what Alison was talking about, aggressive riding, and that was the moment from the season when I thought, yeah, she's got a bit of a tactical awareness. She wasn't feeling great that day. She had a bit of a cold coming on. But uh, it was a tough race, a typical Belgian race, the cobbled hills and everything. But with a few kilometers to go near the end, there was a lull in the attacking and she just went boom and got away. And it took a real conservative riding by Steve Works to bring her back just before the finish. But that's the sort of thing you have to do sometimes because you don't win them all, but sometimes you do. And now it paid off in the biggest way, that way of, of riding aggressively, trying to find your chances. And I would say Alison is, is a master in that. And Tim, for you, what does this win mean going forward? <laughs> I just think at the moment, okay, yeah, you know, just this week, just trying to still like come back down to earth, to be honest, because yeah, there's the, we've been so busy after it with all the media interviews and everything that, we've had to do so going forward I think it exactly what Alison just said it will hopefully give belief to the other riders that a lot of this is mental I mean all of us all of the riders are well trained they're all everybody and then every single world tour team the riders the standard is very very high and everybody is really of a similar standard and it's things like aggressive riding taking your chances where a team like ours could can make the difference and okay, it doesn't have to be every race that it works out but if it works out a few times a year then yeah then then for for ef svb typical then it will uh we could have a really good year off the back of this Alison, coming into Roubaix, you had been really close and you've been in really great form. You, you've had some solid results, but just not quite at the win. You know, you've been winning the bunch sprint for, for fourth and just getting really, really close, but still just things not quite panning out in the end. Did you kind of feel like it's just a matter of time or or was there a sense of frustration? What was sort of your attitude about about being close, but no cigar? Yeah, I think in some of the earlier races, I mean, for me, also being new to this program this year, I really just wanted to help coach the my teammates into how we can really work together well. And so I was seeing a lot of good things and a lot of things for my experience and able to kind of break down the race and into, you know, coachable, manageable bits to really like build the team up so that, you know, when we came to, I mean, this early season is such a key part of the season for me. And I didn't want us to have a learning curve. I wanted us to use whatever early season Spanish races we could to get that learning curve done with. So we could just, you know, hit these, these classics, you know, with our, our top form and good teamwork. But then, yeah, it was frustrating to me when we would get to the big races and, you know, we're making some mistakes uh, and, you know, just 
not making it. So after every every race, I go back to the drawing board, you know, rewatch the race, think of, you know, how could we see this differently? What would it take to manage the effort or to get us in a place where we can actually be racing for the win, not just hanging on? And so looking at it different ways, because if, if what we're doing isn't working, well, we got to change something. And so I think, you know, trying to figure out what that would be like and then implementing it in a race like Paris-Roubaix. Yeah, it's just been, yeah, exciting to work with the team. And yeah, I think we just, there's always something you can learn, even from a win like this. I mean, what do we say? The winner's always right. But, you know, there's little moments in the race that I think I can make teachable moments for my teammates. You know, how when we're in this position, you know, what things can you do? Or if we were, you know, in Trek's position or another team's position, what would we do in this scenario? And then just put that kind of learning in the back files of your brain so you can pull it out and have it as a reaction, not as a, as a cognitive thought, but just as a, you know, a back reference point when we get into, to other races. Cause I really, I just want to see this program succeed. I just want to, I want to have us win. I want to have us win more races together with different riders. I want to win again. Yeah. I just, I I really want to see this program succeed. And is that a priority for you? Because I know it's easy when the team doesn't have the day that they hope. It's easy to then pull lessons from that. But is it important still to look back at a day when things did go our way and we did get the result that we wanted and still pull lessons from that and find ways in which, hey, this is what went well. Hey, this is where we still could have improved. Is that something that that you and the team do? Yeah, I mean, I think as athletes, we can be pretty critical on ourselves. And so really from from this day, I just want to basically take a lot of the pauses from it. You know, the pauses that you got to ride with bravery, with boldness and back yourself and really given a good hard ride. Look for the opportunities when you can take advantage of the opportunities in the situation. And so that's really the, the you know, message I want to get across to my teammates. But also, I mean, that makes for great viewing. What a great you know, exciting race, you know, to pull in more fans to kind of watch, you know, what's going to happen next. So, yeah, I think just from the from this day, mostly I just want to, you know, take these good feelings, have all, everyone share in the joy that I have. I always say I race better when my heart's happy. And, you know, with this group that we have here on the program, my, my heart is definitely happy. So, yeah, just wanting to share some more of those happy, happy winning feelings with everybody and, and pump everybody up. I have it on good authority, Allison, that you enjoy a good town limit sign sprint. Is that true? Oh, yeah. If I, <laughs> if, if I can win something, I want to win anything. I want to win the town sign sprints. I want to, you, anything could be a competition and I want to win. I still beat you a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim, Tim even gets, Tim, he's still a racer at heart. He wants to get in, in the town sign sprints, whatever back road sly move he can make to to throw me in the ditch and take a sign he'll do it <laughs> well now he's got even more motivation he's got to beat you because then he can say that he out sprinted the the perry roubaix winner hey i took i took a photo of the sign where i beat you <laughs> on the way to lil <laughs> saturday night did I not? Yeah, we, did. we pulled over and he took a picture of that sign yeah <laughs> <laughs> All part of the celebration. So, Tim, for you, what are your hopes and dreams then for the rest of the season? It's still only April. There's plenty of racing yet to come. Yeah, well, yesterday was the first sort of crossover race when we've got more of the climbing group coming in. We've got the Ardennes coming up, but then we've got a really hard, important Spanish block with the Volta España in Zulia and Burgos in May. 
So I'm really, really looking forward to the next period. We've got some good climbers on the team with Veronica, Krista. We've got another new rider, Georgia Williams. So they'll be the riders that will be going to um, leading the races in Spain. But yeah, I mean, now the crazy thing about the cobble block we've just had is it, it goes so quick. You're, you're there at the end of February. You're coming from Spain. We do the openings weekend and Hagerland, and then suddenly you open your eyes and you've just done them all. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Alison was going really well at the beginning. She got second in Spain, fourth in Italy, was good in Hagerland, and she had that really bad crash. But it's all passed. I know you got better. She's won Paris for Bay. But this whole period is so intense. It's like six weeks or something, and it's gone in an instant. So and now we move on to the next part of the uh, season. Tim, this is your second season with the team. Talk a little bit about the growth that you've seen within the team, because I imagine that even though, of course, we would have liked to have had this win also last year, it was much more feasible to happen this year. Talk about the growth that you've seen. I mean, I came uh, into the team beginning of last season and I, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. And uh, yeah, and I, I really love it here. And we're trying to like boost the team in all aspects, which the, you know, we really, that's what we really wanted to get AJ on board. So we had a very good Tour de France last year with, with Veronica. So we're looking towards the, the stage races coming up. I think we've we've got a good team. We just need to build on all the um, the actual hard work that goes on behind the scenes and hopefully turn that into results like happened at the weekend. And also with the way the women's side of the sport is going, I think last year with having the first Tour de France was a major turning point for the sport. As yeah, nobody really knew how it was going to be, but I think it was above all expectations for the team, for the for the sport as a general, as generally. Yeah, I think hopefully we can just keep building away and, and making this one of the, the aim is to be a top five team. That is absolutely the aim of this team. We have to achieve that. So you, like Alison says, when you're in sport to win it, you're not really in the sport to you know not win. And so, yeah, the first aim for us is to be a top five team and then yeah, move on as, as, as high as we can do in, in the UCI uh, rankings. Alison, it's been a few days now since you first met your new Cobblestone Trophy friend. Have you let the Cobblestone sort of out of your sight since then? Yeah, for a few days, I actually had, had left it with the team while I took just a little bit of, you know, personal time. But right now I have it by my bed on the stand that I look to it, I roll to my side and I look to it and close my, that's the last thing I see before I close my eyes for sleep. It's just such a cool trophy and, you know, reliving this memory from all angles all week has actually just added to my joy. So yeah, but it's a pretty special, very heavy trophy. Have you have you measured it yet? Because we can't work out if it's uh, twenty kilos or twelve. Yeah, it's for sure. So we we tried to measure it, and it's fifteen and a half kilos. So, yeah, <laughs> that's hand baggage, and really, I mean, uh, like I said, I took a ham on onto a plane once, so which says nine or ten. So you'll be able to get that on <laughs> on the plane as hand luggage back to Canada. <laughs> I'll have to yeah, I'll have to practice a few overhead lifts to get it into the overhead <laughs> bin. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever a moment when you were concerned because it is quite heavy to lift it over your head and definitely on the podium you lifted the the cobblestone over your head were you ever concerned of oh no maybe maybe this is the bad idea as you're sort of midway pushing it over your head no I, I was fully committed to the cause I was lifting this trophy no matter what but I did immediately 
get a phone call from my sister after saying, don't you ever lift that cobblestone over your head again. That's too dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) My sister's such a mom. (laughs) Only in bike racing is the trophy more dangerous than the actual event. (laughs) Really? Well, you never sure. That guy last year had a champagne in his eye, didn't he? So you never quite know when he got the champagne uh, cork in his eye. So you can never be too careful. Well, I think we'll leave it there for now. Allison, Tim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your memories of your win and for your insights as to uh, what this means for the team. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine. You just listened to the Explore podcast from EF Pro Cycling. My name is Catherine Ezra. This show was produced by Johannes Manson and Matthew Bowden. Editing by Ben Cranell. Music is by Builders T. A special thank you to Allison Jackson and Tim Harris. We'll be back soon with more stories from the road. Thank you for listening. so cool so 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 cool even when we checked in at our hotel at the brussels airport uh other teams like the men they were all like oh you guys won congratulations so deserving what a great race allison had like she she won that race and it was it's just so rewarding and so exciting to see everyone like tim said just being so on board and so so happy to see a deserving winner so it's it's been really exciting nice we we were we were doing the um, recon for Brabant and there's a load like UAE team were doing it and we stopped at the traffic well, I stopped at the traffic lights in the car and the girls were riding on and the guys had come over and banged on the window and said that, that was unbelievable right unbelievable how she won that I don't even know who he was so uh, you know, UAE rider and then yeah, it, was, it was great really but it's, like you say it's really much more than a normal race this is like you know I can win a race and it's great to win a race but this just seems to be another level to be honest another two levels uh, it really, really is. I'm, I honestly think it's only the, overall in the Tour de France could be similar, literally.